his words into my listening ears. All nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my father's world. of skies and seas His hand the wonders wrought This is my Father's world The birds and carols raise The morning The song that Aaron and Nia just sang was a hymn that was written around the turn of the 20th century. It was written by a young Presbyterian minister named Maltby Babcock. Now, Babcock was a pastor who lived and served in upstate New York in a small town of Lockport, and he loved the outdoors. Often between his time studying and pastoring his congregation, Babcock would slip away in the middle of the day and take long walks in an area called the Escarpment. It was an ancient thrust of ledge that rose up to, breathtaking, to a breathtaking cliff on the eastern shores of Lake Ontario. And from the Escarpment, he would have just a marvelous view of the farms and the cottages and the orchards that peppered the countryside. And to the west, he could see the Great Lake itself, just a few miles distant. Now, it's said that those walks in the woods inspired the lyrics of this song. 
The title of the song comes from an expression Babcock would often use as he made his way out the door to walk. Turning and telling his wife, Love, I'm going off to see my father's world. (laughs) What a beautiful expression, isn't it? And, And it works for us, right? Because it's often in the outdoors that we not only see the beauty of the world, but we also sense the presence and personality of God who's behind it all. Well, the question is, where do you go to see the Father's world, to marvel at the beauty of creation? Do you have some favorite places? That's a great summertime question, isn't it? Maybe you load up your family and head out to a nearby beach or lake. Or maybe you grab a couple of friends and take a day hike to the White Mountains. Maybe you're someone who prefers your moments alone and simple, just by yourself in the deck in the backyard with a tall lemonade in the shade of the evening with the breeze cooling things off. Or maybe you're listening and you're from another part of the world. And maybe other images of beauty more readily come to mind for you. Some of you may recognize some of these. How about Changjiao Chai, the national forest in China? Or here's the Amalfi Coast in Italy. Or the Lofoten Islands in Norway, the Sases Vlay, sand dunes in Nambia, or Peru's Machu Picchu. Oh man, as Macy Gray puts it, so much beauty in the world. Well, wherever it is that you go, we can all resonate with the desire to find ourselves at the top of some escarpment somewhere, sort of casting our gaze on some corner of the beautiful world that we live in. Immersing ourselves in the natural world is good for our soul. Now, for the last several weeks, we've been exploring some non-typical ways of, of caring for our soul, ways that we can embrace, particularly in the summertime. Each week, we've been thinking about some surprising places and practices in Scripture that help to shape and strengthen our soul, our soul, that invisible, eternal center of who we are. And along the way, we've been sharing some of the personal ways we found renewal for our souls, not just in the summertime, but all year round, things that feel less like discipline and more like delight. Today, we wrap up the series by affirming what we all know to be true. Sunsets are good for our soul. And of course, by sunsets, we're talking about taking time to soak in the beauty of creation. And to guide us today, I'd like to bring us to the eighth psalm. This is a psalm that was written by David, Israel's king. Now, as the psalm is read, I'd love you to picture in your mind the shepherd boy as a young man lying on the ground. His evening fire is now smoldering coals. He's far from the lights of any town, a perfect, clear canopy of brilliant stars swallowing him whole. And here's what he writes. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You've made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet flocks and herds, animals of the wild, the birds of the sky, and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, 
how majestic is your name in all the earth. Were you with me? Could you picture David? Can you imagine a young boy laying there looking up, just captivated by the beauty and being driven to write a song in response? We've all been there, haven't we? Finding ourselves in moments when the beauty and immensity of the world just overwhelms us. Maybe as we're sitting, surveying the scene of a beautiful sunset. It happens when we pause long enough to take time to consider creation. The fact is, this is where the psalm begins, and that's where we begin this morning. Verse 3 says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars. You see, the truth is, in order for the beauty of the world to have its rightful effect on us, we have got to pause long enough to let it do its work in us. We need, like David, to stop for a moment, to pause long enough to consider creation. We all know that in the hectic busyness of life, in the flurry of deadlines, in the rush to stay on top of all of our responsibilities, it's sometimes easy to make it through the day quite literally without taking time to open our eyes to the beauty around us along the way. Laptops, flat screens, devices, they all gobble up our visual attention. And the older we get, the more productive and efficient we tend to become, the more demands on our time, and quite honestly, the greater means that allows us to live in climate-controlled environments, the easier it is to get into the habit of separating ourselves from the outdoors. A comedian, Jim Gaffigan, jokes about this himself. He says, I'm what you would call indoorsy. If it's so great outside, he says, then why are all the bugs trying to get in my house? Some of you can relate. Some of you love the indoors. But the fact is, when we separate ourselves from sunsets, from the natural world, we find our souls beginning to shrivel. Many mental health professionals are suggesting that one of the simplest things we can do to improve the state of our mental health is at the very beginning of the day to get outside for 10 minutes. Those simple 10 minutes can start your day in a different direction. You awaken your senses, you breathe in the dewy morning smells, you feel the cool, damp air on your skin, you hear the morning birds. Just a few minutes can have a very profound effect. They say the 10 minutes outside in the morning helps establish a good sleep cycle, reduce anxiety, spark creativity, increases confidence, gratitude, focus, and contentment. All of that in 10 minutes. As I was preparing to bring this message today, I decided to do much of my thinking and writing outdoors. I, I had times of walking and thinking along the Charles River in Newton. I spent time writing on a picnic bench in the cool morning air outside of one of our campuses. I sat for a morning outside in the backyard of my home. I even made my way to a small park by the river in Lowell. It took time, I took time to look at the gardens, to take in the senses, to, to see the animals, to feel the heat, even at one point of the week to hear the thunder. And as I was doing it, I was reminded of how many times Jesus, when he was walking and teaching, sort of engaged his listeners with the natural world. He pointed to the lilies in the field or the sparrow that was singing around them. Consider these and how well God provides for them. 
He reached out and plucked the head off of a stalk of wheat. He talked about the sun. He pointed out a vine. He spent time around a lake with the smell of fish hanging in the air. You really can't imagine Jesus apart from the natural world that surrounded him. So Jesus, David, calls us to consider creation. But the invitation offered in this song isn't just an invitation to get outdoors and to look around. There's actually a much deeper offer here. Because we see what begins with considering creation leads us to connect with the Creator. Listen, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars, which you have set in place, do you hear it? David is writing a song about creation, but he's writing it to his heavenly father about what God has done. It turns out there is a you behind the universe. There's an artist behind the artwork. There's a person expressing personality. There's an invitation to be accepted. And so when Maltby headed out into the world and headed out, he headed out into his father's world. Romans 12:20, Paul writes, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made. It reminds us that creation points to the creator. The fact is the natural world becomes a place where God makes himself known. Growing up, I, I had a youth pastor who loved the outdoors. He loved to hike. He was a backpacker. And every chance he got, he would bring a group of us guys deep into the wilds of the woods for days of backpacking and camping in the middle of the mountains in north central Pennsylvania or the Catskills a place where there were more bears than people by a magnitude of 10. We'd head into the wilderness for days with nothing but the framed pack on our backs full of gear, a compass, a map, and each other. The truth is the most memorable moments came when we'd make our way up a steep ravine trail after a long day of hiking. We'd come to the top of a clearing that would open to a grand vista and our breath would be taken from us as we'd sit quietly, let our minds soak in the beauty around us. And in these moments, Steve would encourage us to take out our Bibles, to open up to one of the Psalms, or to the creation account, or to one of Jesus' parables, and to let the scriptures and the view before us speak to us about who God is and how he meets us. Those are powerful moments. I actually still believe that some of the best disciple-making happens in the outdoors. Summer camps for adolescents and young adults like Brookwoods or Tapawingo are important for kids learning about God. Camp of the Woods can be a great place for people to hear about God's Word and experiencing the beauty of God with, with family. Working a garden with neighbors at the Boston Project, bringing the beauty to a neighborhood and bringing it on behalf of of God himself. You see, all of us from time to time need to leave the mediated indoor life to experience the powerful experience when the discovery of nature and an encounter with God comes together. Because when we consider the creation, it leads us to connect with the creator. And when we see him, we can respond like David. 
O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. But something else happens when we consider the created world. Our thoughts aren't only drawn towards God, but it's, it also stirs up questions about ourselves as well. Where do we fit in in all of this? Now, let's take a look at the structure of the psalm just for a minute. I want you to notice that the psalm begins and ends with praise. And then in the middle, there's a section where David details a litany of creation, the sun, moon, stars, animal, all sorts of things. But then they're right at the center of the psalm, the way they structure their poetry. The psalmist talks about our place in it all. It begins with a question. What is man? Now, riff with me for just a minute. Imagine again that shepherd boy staring up to the stars, seeing the vastness of all that is around him in that brilliant night. There were no telescopes or satellites. There were no grand theories about the size of our solar system or the expansiveness of the galaxy. All David knew was that the world he lived in was big and that he was very, very small. Fact is, nothing has changed much over the centuries. If anything, the world has gotten bigger. People today look at the skies and still ask these very same questions. Only now we have a better sense of how wide and complex creation really is. Every year, it seems, creation is infinitely larger as well as infinitely more complex. So the question is, who are we in the midst of it all? You've seen these videos on YouTube where someone tries to capture the vastness of the world we know with a video that sort of starts at the extremes of the universe and zooms in towards Earth. Take a look at this one here. Starting from the furthest reaches of what we know, it, we travel through an array of galaxy clusters, billions upon billions of galaxies, making our way into our own galaxy neighborhood, then to the Milky Way, our home, past the billions and billions of stars to our own sun, a modestly sized star as stars go, through our solar system, passing by the planets and our moon, then finally making our way to Earth, terra firma, the third planet from the sun. And then at the end of the line, after traveling 95 billion light years, there we are. We're pretty small in the scope of things, aren't we? You know, for some people, our smallness leads them to believe that human beings are insignificant. Carl Sagan, the great agnostic American astronomer, was one of them. He once wrote that as long as there have been humans, we have searched for our place in the cosmos. Where are we? Who are we? We find we live in an insignificant planet and a humdrum star lost in a galaxy tucked away in some forgotten corner of a universe in which there are far more galaxies than people. We stand all alone, he says, on the shores of the cosmic ocean. Is that how it is? Is that what we are? Small creatures on an insignificant planet, tucked away, forgotten? in some far corner of the universe? By contrast, David, struck by that same overwhelming sense of his own smallness and dealing with the same reality, he comes to a radically different conclusion. 
As a matter of fact, in light of the universe's vastness, he responds with this. What is man that you are mindful of him? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels. You've crowned them with glory and honor. You've made them rulers over the work of your hands. You put everything under their feet. You see, David's conclusion was simple. If we are as small as we really are in light of the universe, then we must be very special if God considers us as highly as he does. It turns out when we're laying down, looking up at the stars, we're not just looking up, but God is looking down at us. So when David asks, who are we? He answers almost as if he can't believe the answer himself. We are created beings that have been crowned with glory and honor. So in God's eyes, human beings are something more than stardust. We're even more than the beautiful creatures that live on the planet with us. Men and women, the scriptures tell us, are made in God's image. We've been filled with God's spirit. And so when we consider our place in the vast universe, God invites us to compare ourselves up rather than compare ourselves down. It's a humbling and comforting thought, isn't it? I mean, in in the dark moments when we're alone in the middle of the night, during those times when, when we wonder if our life really matters, whether anyone knows us, cares about us, loves us, we're reminded that God is mindful of you, that God cares for you, that God made you something special and that he has purposes for you. It's a great comfort that comes to our soul. But if you notice, it's not just comfort, it's also a call to responsibility. Because as a special part of God's creation, he gives us, humanity, a special role. He crowned us with glory and honor. He made us rulers uh, over the works of his hands. He put everything under our feet. What these verses are saying is that God invites us, God invites us to join him in taking responsibility for his creation, for all that he's made. Now, if these verses sound familiar, it's because they hearken back to the very beginning of creation's story, back in the garden in Genesis 1. Genesis speaks about a God who designed order out of chaos, habitability out of inhabitability, from formless and void to a place that is teeming with life. And we, human beings, are invited to be caretakers with him. What a remarkable thing. Not to rule over it and exploit it like a despot. Not to diminish the likelihood that life thrives, but to nurture and order things in such a way that would lead to sustainability and the flourishing of all life. When you're given charge over something, you want to leave it better than when you received it. It's a great responsibility, an enormous challenge, to be sure. In the same way, Jesus called fishermen to become fishers of men. God called the very first people born of the garden to become gardeners. The fact is, care for the world we live in is the call of God on each one of us. It's part of our mandate. We've all been given stewarding responsibilities over the world that God has made. And, and the choices and the stakes that are facing us today are higher than ever. What does it mean? The beautiful part, it means that we can all have a part in it. City planners who work to include green space into designs of urban areas are a part of that call. 
someone who works for the preservation of wildlife to protect natural forests and, and species is part of that call. A family that buys responsibly resourced products or just someone who works hard to live more simply and sustainably. We're all a part of that call. We're all called to be caretakers of the Father's world. A few years ago, somebody put a book in my hands that has been so helpful in shaping my thinking about this. It was written by Ed Brown. It encourages the church to reconnect to our responsibility for creation care. And it offers some really helpful suggestions as it encourages followers of Jesus to be stewards of creation. And listen to this. You want to know what the title is? Our Father's World. I encourage you, you may want to pick it up and give it a read. Well, now as we wrap up today, we've covered a lot of ground, but I want to leave you with two simple suggestions for you to consider this week. Two simple invitations that you can put to practice uh, from the message of today. The first invitation is to simply notice the beauty around you. Now, the way I'd encourage this is by offering you a simple seven-day challenge. The challenge is to be on the lookout this week for something in nature that speaks of the glory of God. Look for one thing each day, on your commute, in the morning, or any time when you find yourself outdoors each day. And when you find something, uh, grab your device, your camera, and take a picture of it. And then share it with our Grace Chapel community on our Facebook group uh, or our Instagram page. You can find those links right here. This little once-a-day exercise will keep your eyes open to the world around you and keep you more aware of the presence and the goodness of God. The second invitation is to get outdoors every day this coming week. Maybe it means beginning every day with 10 minutes on your back porch. It could be getting out for a walk at lunchtime or having a picnic in the park in the evening, a run or bike ride, or just taking in a sunset at the end of the day. Can I encourage you to enhance that experience by inviting God to meet you in it through a time of prayer or reading a psalm or scripture, or just in a posture of quiet listening? Friends, these small steps can make a huge difference. Because here's the thing, sunsets really are good for your soul because this world is our Father's world. Let's pray. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God, your glory, your goodness, your power, your care are so evident to us in very tangible ways in the world around us. Lord, give us eyes open to see you in it. Give us hearts to embrace you, the one who made, made it all, and lives to respond to the invitation you give us. In the name of Jesus, the Spirit, and you, Father, we pray. Amen.